Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hey everybody, beautiful friends. Welcome to another episode of Last Drinks. Before we get stuck into a really amazing chat with the delightful Lucy Quick, I just wanted to read a message I received on Instagram and I love hearing from you guys. You can reach out through the Instagram account for the podcast, which is at Last Drinks Pod, or you can uh, hit me up personally. My personal account is at Maz Compton. And if you want to pre-order a copy of my book, uh, you can pre-order a copy of that on the website, which is mazcompton.com. Um, I got this message. It says, hi, Maz. I don't normally message people. I don't know, but I just listened to your episode on assess your relationship with alcohol and I'm in tears. Explaining it as defining alcohol as a relationship with a person was eye-opening to me. It really has changed how I think about alcohol. I finished my last bottle of bourbon last night and was starting from today to not drink. Listening to your podcast gives me inspiration and energy. I'm going out today to buy a notebook to write down my thoughts on my relationship with this person called alcohol. By the way, you are the first podcast I've ever listened to and I love it. And I just love that message so much. It's so encouraging to know that these conversations are really helping people do the work and assess their relationship with alcohol and tap into that sober curiosity and maybe experiment with sobriety and see what it feels like and how it might look. So I, I'm so grateful for that message. I feel so encouraged that these conversations are really landing with people and, um, and yeah, just really, I guess, helping to curate change in people for the better, which is what this is all about. Um, so with that said, and all of the admin accounted for, let me tell you about this beautiful woman I know called Lucy Quick. Um, Lucy is a life and sobriety coach. She has a really amazing sobriety story because it's not super crazy. It's one of those ones that, and you'll hear her explain enough was enough and she called her last drinks on herself and she hasn't looked back. Um, She lives by the mantra that life's too short to be wasted Um, She has reset programs, she has guides, blogs, um, helpful information all on her website, which is thrivalistsobriety.com and you can follow her on that Instagram account too. If you love what you hear and you want to reach out to Lucy, I encourage you to. She's wonderful. She's my sober sister and I just 
loved looking at a beautiful face and having this conversation. So enjoy Last Drinks with Lucy Quick. Lucy Quick, can you tell me about your last drink? Yeah, Maz, my last drink was pretty boring, actually. It was, a, I was going to say a glass, a bottle of rosé on New Year's Eve 2018. Pretty much on my own. That was it. Ooh. Pretty non-eventful. And did you know that that was going to be your last drink for a while? Had you made a decision to consciously reframe your relationship with alcohol at that point, which a lot of people do on New Year's Eve? Yeah. So the two weeks leading up to that point, I'd hit my rock bottom. And I think a few days before that New Year's Eve, I'd listened to a podcast that Ruby Warrington was on and she was talking about her book, Sober Curious, and the whole concept of not having to put yourself into the alcoholic bucket to take a break from booze, but instead just asking yourself, is alcohol holding me back in any way? So that podcast had really um, supported me to get to that place. But yeah, as I said, the, the, the two weeks leading up to that New Year's, I was pretty much in my darkest place and made a bunch of, did a bunch of silly things and I'd had enough of myself. So that was why the New Year's Eve was pretty non-eventful. Um, but yeah, that was my last drink. I think that's really helpful for people to hear, Lucy, that you don't have to put yourself in the alcoholic bucket in order to understand that alcohol's not working for you. It doesn't mm. have to not work for you so badly that it's chaotic and an absolute disaster. It can just be enough where you're not showing up as your best self in particular situations. It totally can. And for me, it was more the idea of, you know, sober curiosity that got me to feel like I could start to ask these questions. But actually, when I look back at my history with drinking, I mean, from when I first started as a 14-year-old, I should never have been an alcohol drinker. I was um, blacking out regularly from the get-go and carried that through my 20s and 30s. So I actually had a pretty unhealthy, um, severe alcohol use disorder. But that stigma and shame that's tied up with being an alcoholic that the media and society and the big alcohol industry have fed us is what kept me so stuck in my drinking trap for so long. And so, yeah, hearing that term, sober curious, um, was kind of what freed me really to think, well, it doesn't actually matter anymore. I just don't want to drink alcohol. So when you start drinking at 14, I was a similar age when I had my first drink, um, similar sitch, like ended up blacking out, vomiting all over the place. Someone had to call my parents. It was just the most humiliating, distressing situation for a teenager to be in. Yet I continued to drink alcohol. Do you know, like what? Do you know why you started drinking or why you continued to drink from such a young age, even though it was having, you know, a negative result? Well, Maz, I really don't think that there are many other options presented to us as young teenagers, especially going back, you know, I'm turning 40 this year. So we're going back a long time, 26 years ago. Is that right? Yeah, 26 years. Yeah. Um, so to me, there God, was, that sounds there was, like a long time, doesn't I it? I know, it does. So there was kind of like one option as a teenager, which is you enter these years, you start to experiment with alcohol and you keep drinking. And if you can't drink, then there's a problem with you. It's not the alcohol. This is 
on you and you need to, and this is what I actually did. This is why I kept drinking for so long. I was trying to resolve my problem with how I drank to try and drink like a normal person for, for all of those years. Wow. Um, and that was because I grew up in an environment and a society watching movies on TV that taught me that we drink alcohol. That's what we do. And as I said, there weren't other options. Going alcohol-free, even the word sober was just not even an option. And it really wasn't an option until my early to mid-30s. Um, obviously, the, things are changing, which is amazing. And so this whole Sober Curious yeah. movement and, and you know this alcohol-free drinks boom um, is providing so much more opportunity for, for young people to, to question their own relationship with alcohol and feel safe about changing um, getting rid of alcohol because it's a drug and it's actually a really harmful drug. It's not just something that we should do. So yeah, that was what kept me stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fully relate to that. I know so many people listening will be like, yes, that's, that's my teenagehood as well. And I think the difference between then and now is that there, we do have solid scientific evidence about what alcohol is and what it does to us and our brain chemistry. And I feel like if somebody had a, if somebody had to put a drink in front of me when I was 15 um, and said, hey, here's a drink, it's alcohol, um, it's most likely going to increase your chance of getting 11 different types of cancer it's going to affect your brain chemistry. It's going to lower your ability to use your cognition. And it's probably going to lead you to make some really stupid choices. Would you like to take this drink? I would probably say, no, thank you. And maybe the peer pressure thing, I don't know. But if someone had presented the truth about alcohol to me in those formative years, I'd have a very, very different story. And I'm grateful for my story, but I'm also so glad to be on the other side of that where I do know that sobriety actually gives you everything alcohol promises. And when you really dig into what it does to our brains and our bodies, like it just absolutely blows my mind that we put it in shops and let people walk in and buy it in bottles. It's just, you know, it's kind of insane. So you're right that the tables are, you know, the tides are turning and that's all really positive, but there's a, there's a group of men and women who are so stuck and so trapped because no one told them that when they were a teenager and then life gets big and complicated and all you have is the multi-tool of coping which is alcohol and it doesn't work it just doesn't work and at some point you have to pull up stumps and go I'm done here because this is not serving me to a point where it's going to end up chaotic and I don't want it to get that far down the road and so it gets I feel like it got signposted to me sober curiosity there was you know eight years ago not so many podcasts but definitely whispers about what sobriety meant and is and I love that people are being more vocal about you know their journey to that last drink and then what happens on the other side of it which brings me to my next question what happens when you stop drinking you said you know you didn't have necessarily a physical dependency so like you didn't have crazy withdrawals but what did happen when you stopped drinking so for me i mean every, as you said everyone's experience is so different with going sober and it really depends where you sit on that alcohol use disorder spectrum 
for me, I was severe. I didn't have alcohol dependency. So there were no physical withdrawals, well, minor physical withdrawal symptoms. So I definitely had increased anxiety. I definitely had some insomnia. Um, but actually what happened was I got to experience what we call the pull factors of sobriety really quickly. So all of the beautiful, exciting benefits of taking alcohol out of your life. So I had increased energy and motivation. I suddenly had like all of these beautiful creative ideas that I didn't have when I was drinking. My anxiety did reduce after those initial few weeks. And for me, I, I've always struggled with anxiety. And for me, it was just such a, an amazing um, change to notice in myself that when I didn't drink, I didn't have that that pit of dread in my stomach following me around everywhere. And yeah, I mean, the biggest changes, the sleep, essentially, after a few weeks, the sleep was so good. So actually being able to find this beautiful, deep, nourishing sleep and have these eight-hour nights that I hadn't had for so many years. Um, feeling like my relationships were improved. That was a big thing. So my, you know, initially my marriage improved, my, um, my friendships improved, the relationship with my family improved. So things just got so much better. And then in terms of all of the, the kind of vanity side of things, my skin was so much better. My eyes were sparkly. People kept asking me, what are you doing? You know, you look amazing. Um, yeah. I didn't lose heaps of weight in that initial six months because I did use a lot of chocolate and lollies to get through the cravings. Um, so they were, yeah, all of these beautiful things. But I think what sobriety gave me the opportunity to do for the first time in my life was to really get to know myself properly for the first time. I hadn't actually built a relationship with myself. I didn't know what I valued and, and what my dreams and passions were and what was important to me. Mm. Um, and so building that relationship and also learning how to, to understand my feelings and sit with those feelings um, and work out what they were trying to teach me about life and having an intuition. I mean, that was another crazy thing. Like I actually had this voice inside of me that would tell me things that I could listen to for the first time and trust because I wasn't yeah. clouded with the shame and, and the guilt that drinking gives us. So yeah, that was my experience in that first 12 months. And I think it was around um, six weeks six weeks in that I knew I was never going to drink again. And I've always had full confidence saying that it's for me, it hasn't been, I'll just take it a day at a time or I'll, you know, I don't want to, and I know that everyone is different in terms of yeah. how they communicate that, but I just knew, Oh my God, I felt like I discovered this hidden secret that no one had ever found. And I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. Like this is the answer to so many people's problems it and it's really easy. You just have to stop drinking. Incredible. And when, so firstly, I just want to say the way your face lights up when you talk about the pull of sobriety is really amazing. Like it's so evident that that really impacted you that, and I think when you give up drinking, I think when you come to it, it's really overwhelming. It's the unknown. We don't love change. You know, it's really can be daunting. But when you do get that first little taste of clarity, of um, everything leveling out, everything drying out, it is like sweet relief. And I can see that on your face, like that that really 
resonated with you and that, and their real world benefits, their real, you know, practical things that you experienced. And I love that turn of phrase, the pull of sobriety, because it is, it's what draws you into it. And it becomes less about not drinking and more about what you're experiencing in your life. And I do think when you do stop drinking, you do, well, I did anyway, I, for a few weeks at least it's all I thought about was the fact that I wasn't drinking it's like I almost obsessed over it a little bit like I'm not drinking don't drink don't go past the bottle shop don't think about drinking don't go to that bar don't go out you know what I mean like it's just like constantly but eventually that voice just disappears and then there's just calm and peace in your mind and that's the best feeling and if you are a highly anxious person, whether it be socially anxious or otherwise, when you finally feel calm, man, it's like, get like put that in a bottle and sell that, you know, like that's, it's so, it's such a relief and you, you can't tell somebody exactly how that feels. They have to experience it for themselves. And, mm. and you are right. It is simple I wouldn't say easy but it is simple the simplicity of sobriety is this get up get through your day get your head on the pillow don't have a drink like when you spell it out like that it is a very simple way to do life but because we're complex because we're creatures of habit because we live in a culture that you know has really upheld this substance as a hero and it's not it, that can become really challenging for people and that can keep people stuck in that loop. And so from, yeah, from your experience of, you know, severe alcohol use disorder to severe sobriety, you've got sobriety severely. <laughs> um, what sort of, I love finding out from people like what was birthed in them during that time. Like what happened to you that, is expressed in your world now that you didn't have when you were drinking like the the actual do you know what I mean like the the product of your sobriety is yeah I love that question and I just want to mention when you mentioned the, the easy simple thing no you're 100% right going sober isn't easy or simple but it's such a it's like a small thing to I guess um, when we're looking at our life and we're looking at how for me my life was not great you know I was a broken woman I was stuck in a job that made me feel miserable and uninspired and you know my boss was you know, talking down to me regularly and you know I was trapped in this life that just felt hard I was always yeah. tired I was always waiting for that next drink I was waiting to get home so I could pour that glass of wine and just get it into me um and it just, when I say simple, it's like, I just wish someone said to me, all you need to do is stop drinking and everything else yes. is going to fall into place. Yes. Um, and so to answer your question, what was, what was born out of my sobriety? I mean, it was me that was born because before I was certainly not myself. I was a very unhappy, miserable, broken woman. Um, and I often talk about sobriety being like the tip of the iceberg in terms of mm. the fact that you stop drinking and it's like, yeah, I'm sober, but then it's like, wow, I've got all of this other stuff that I now need to focus on because what happens is when we take that, that mask and that veil of alcohol away, we see things clearly for the first time 
and yeah. it gives us this opportunity to work through our problems properly for the first time. So for me, it was like taking a look at what was driving my anxiety, why I was kind of really unhappy in my marriage. And, you know, I had to, I ended up leaving my husband. I ended up going through so many different transformations. I quit my career and started Thrivalist, my sobriety coaching platform. So, so many things came from that. Um, but essentially it was an opportunity to, to get to know myself and start putting myself first. Um, and from that came what I you know, now have, which is such an incredible life and an incredible career and business, which is all about sobriety um, and an incredible, happy, healthy relationship and great co-parenting situation with my ex, you know, happy kids. Um, And it just gets better and better and better. And that would never have happened if I kept drinking. I mean, I hate to think what, where I'd be right now if I didn't stop. So yeah, the birth of me. I love that so much. And the real genuine, you know, authentic you, like not, not the, um, not the you that is so, you know, and not just you specifically, Lucy, I just mean in general, like, you know, speaking about me in the days when I was drinking, I was inebriated. I didn't make great choices. I was super anxious. I was really kind of short tempered. And I used to, I used to say, and it's funny because you, in sobriety, you have all this like wonderful time to unpack really deep, complex feelings. That's fun. Totally. At least you have the opportunity to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of stuffing them down with more gin. But I used to think when I was sort of, so pre-2014, so end of 2014 is when I stopped drinking, but leading up to that, I was very, very motivated, highly driven, independent, career go-getter. And I used to tell myself those things about me. But what that actually was, was just I had such a limit on my capacity for patience and for compassion that I was a bit of a bitch. But I would just, I would tell myself that it's because I'm driven. No, I'm motivated. Like, I don't, I'm not taking any passengers on this bus. And I, so I told myself I was a certain thing and it was a complete lie. And what I realized in sobriety is that I learned to have some compassion. I, I learned that I'm actually a super empath and with being an empath, it's really excellent. It's a great tool for relationships. It can also be problematic because you pick up on the energy in every room that you're in. And sometimes you carry that away from you and it affects you. So I would drink to deal with all this stuff I didn't know about myself and then I got to figure myself out and I was like, oh, my God, I'm an introvert. I actually want to be at home. That's why I drink before I go out because I don't want to go out. And then it's like this really amazing self-discovery. And then you can give yourself a break because you're actually feeding yourself what you need, not what you think you need because you genuinely know who you are finally. So true. So true. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and so with your coaching business, thrive, well, it's not, I wouldn't just say it's just a business. You know, you have, you've created a safe place for people. Um, you journey with people, you can, you coach people and, and you mentor people in the sobriety space, which is really admirable. You know, what are some of the, who are some of the people that gravitate to you and what are the questions that they ask you? Thanks, Maz, for saying that about the business. It's, yeah, it's so much more than a business. So we mainly 
speak to women in the 35 to 55, 60 year old age bracket. But in saying that, I mean, we have had women in their early 20s all the way up to women in their late 70s. So it's a very broad demographic of mainly Australian women where we're now reaching women in the US and also the UK. We've had some from South Africa as well. So we are slowly kind of branching out to other parts of the world, which is so cool. Um, So it's really, you know, I like to say that everyday woman who doesn't really identify as an alcoholic and just is looking for that support, the community, a place to be really empowered and inspired and kind of lifted up as opposed to, you know, any shame. There's no shame. You know, we don't hold any judgment or um, allow women to feel shame. It's so important that when we're in sobriety, we really focus on our positive attributes and our strengths so that we can keep propelling ourselves forward. Yeah. Um, and so the questions that they ask, so when they're kind of, I guess, are you, do you mean when they're like investigating uh, sobriety? Yeah, like or? when they sort of land on your, when they land here. And, yeah. And, and you get, I get, you get to your landing page because you're sober curious and, and you are, and you are, it's either being signposted for you, you've had enough you, and you don't know how to move forward without alcohol. Mm. And I, I feel like people would come to you with questions of like, how the hell do I do this? Cause it, <laughs> it does look overwhelming and hard. Yeah, they do. We get a lot of questions and we also get a lot of women's fears. So I think the top question that I would get asked and that we would get emailed into us is what happens if I can't do this? And that's a huge block for women. So they've often, you know, they've tried a few times um, in the past on their own, or they've tried different kind of avenues and different modalities. And they feel like they just can't do this. They actually think that alcohol has conquered them and they'll never be able to escape the alcohol trap. And so this is a, a, it is huge. And Mm. I guess in a way I was lucky. I only had to try a couple of times before it stuck. But a lot of these women have come after trying 10 times um, and spending years and years and years trying. And so what, what I now know after supporting so many women for the past few years is everyone is different, but our failure does not mean anything about our future when it comes to sobriety, our failure. And we don't like to use that word. We have to see failure as feedback. So failure or slip-ups are really important, um, basically important information to be able to figure out how to do it properly next time. And knowing that sobriety is not, it's not something that you fail at. It's basically a skill that you keep getting better and better and better and better at until one day it sticks. So that mentality really supports women. And it's incredible how many women I've seen who have come into Thrivalist and tried 10 times and you know, it might not be Thrivalist. It might just be the circumstances, but they've made it work. They have actually made it work. And they are now, you know, one of my oldest Thrivalist members is now two and a half, two and a half years sober. And she tried so many different things beforehand, but it was just Mm. the stars aligned and it was the perfect kind of combination of things. And it just stuck. So yeah, whatever's happened in the past, means nothing about your future with sobriety and our failure or slip-ups are simply really important feedback and information for making it stick long-term. That's so encouraging. Yeah. And I think because, and the reason that I asked that is because I just know there are people listening that are like, 
that have that burning question you know like the mm. the, the 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 barrier to entry for them is that exact question and for yeah. you to be able to articulate and answer it I know will be really encouraging for someone who thinks well what if I fail and and you've just been able to really just turn that whole idea of failure around into a win um, which is really cool and the other thing I say to people too like if um, if you're looking at sobriety and you and some for some people the feelings of shame are so strong before you've even stopped drinking, like all the regrets or the regrettable behavior or the mistakes and the silliness and the poor choices can be a thing that stop people moving forward because they're trapped in the guilt of it all. And I can completely identify with that. And I say to people with the guilt and the shame stuff, guilt is really not helpful it's a it's a real waste of our resources and our energy because it doesn't actually serve us all it does is make us feel like shit and so what I like to do is I like to think about guilt as a backpack and I have learned to take it off and leave it at the door because that doesn't do anything for me so I don't need it so I'm just going to take it off and put it over there but what I can do is look at the behavior that I feel guilty about and decide to do better so use it as an anchor point of let's not go there again because when we go there I end up feeling like this I've got to do a whole lot of reframing and like backpack taking off and all of the rest of it and it doesn't serve me but you can at least use it as an anchor point to go well I know that those behaviors or those situations are not great for me because this is the situation that I'm in now and use it as a tool to help you move away from those behaviors if that makes sense so I just again know like the big ticket questions are yeah what if I fail I feel so crap about how I've behaved I don't even know if I can go forward and then the other one I get and I'd love to know your response is like how do I tell my friends I'm going to stop drinking yeah I love that backpack analogy Maz and you're so right shame and guilt I mean research tells us that behavior change behavior change happens so much faster when we come from a place of self-compassion so leaving that behind but as an anchor point it's it's the perfect advice and yeah so telling friends and family um is another big question. And also like, who will I be without alcohol is obviously another one. But when it comes to communicating to loved ones, I always recommend bucketing these people into different categories. So taking a look at like our inner circle, our loved ones, people who we feel safe opening up with and being vulnerable with, perhaps there is an opportunity to to let them know what's really been going on. Um, And then looking at that kind of wider group and choosing, I mean, you have every right to decide what you want to communicate around your drinking you don't have to tell anyone if it doesn't feel right for you um but coming up and also being prepared about what to say ahead of time so you're never put on the spot but coming up with what your response might be and it might be as simple as i'm on a health kick or i'm training for excuse me for a marathon those sorts of responses so that people don't dig into the whys when you're not ready Um, so yeah. And then the outer circle, which unfortunately 
we have people in our lives that are nosy and even alcohol pushers. So being really uh, prepared again ahead of time and cautious about what you'll communicate to these people because that can often be quite a triggering conversation. And sometimes these people, unfortunately, are in our inner circle. And that's when we need to get really um, selective with boundaries and around, you know, who are we going to be vulnerable with? Are they safe for us to be vulnerable with? And if not, you know, you have full permission to tell whatever story you need to tell around your drinking until you're in a place where you feel safe um, to, to communicate your your truth. So I think that's, you know, taking that control and knowing that there's no, no one is telling you that you have to tell anyone and it really has to be on your terms. And it's an evolution too, I think, with your sober response because you get better and better at it the more people you need to communicate with over time. I'm not saying you need to tell, you know, you don't need to message everyone in your phone and <laughs> say so you're having a month off or whatever. But as those conversations come up, you do get better at what that response is and the response might change. You know, I like when I first stopped drinking, I did a lot of apologising. I don't know if you did this, Lucy, but if somebody, if I was out, because I did still have to socialise a fair bit for my job at the time in the in the radio industry and, you know, we'd be at an event and a salesperson would come over and, you know, hand me a glass of champagne and I'd just be like, oh, sorry, I'm just, I'm not drinking at the moment and I'd apologise. And then I remember like one morning, a few weeks in waking up and thinking, I'm not sorry that I'm not drinking. Why am I apologizing for this? And I switched my response to, I'm good, thanks. And then I would just leave it at that and just sit in the awkwardness. And I'm fine with awkwardness. (laughs) And I would just let that person either come at me with another question or go to the bar and leave me alone or offer me a water, you know, like I just sort of, I was, and I know not a lot of people are happy to, but I think just from my performing background, I'm like, let's drop this bombshell and just see how this <laughs> plays out, you know, <laughs> like just so interested in human behavior, but your response that. evolves and that's okay. <laughs> that it's okay that it changes and that it evolves. And so, you know, for me now, if someone offers me a drink, it's like, oh, I'm, I, I'm sober. I haven't had a drink for eight years. I'm certainly not about to have one with you. No offense. You know, I I think, and it's taken me eight years to get to that level of just being so comfortable, so casual about it, like no big deal and, and no like life story explain. I did this a lot in the beginning too. I'd be like, oh, I'm doing a self-experiment because I felt like I was drinking too much. Like I wasn't an alcoholic though, but it was, and I would just go into like this whole like monologue on why I wasn't drinking, convincing myself almost, you know, Mm. and then I realised, oh, the less I say the better. Like, no, it's no one's business. It's my journey. It's my sobriety and I'm not going to apologise for it. So if there's someone listening and they're like, I don't have my sober response down so I'm going to drink a bottle of wine tonight, you don't have to have it nailed down on cue cards. Like you just need to practise it and you'll find the words. The more you sit in the space being sober, the easier those conversations get to have over time. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Yeah, it's such a, um, the social thing is hard. I don't know. And then you said you were married at the time too. 
Yes. So I was married for the first year of my sobriety and I left my husband after about 12 months. how does that, like, how, I mean, look, it's extremely personal and you, but if, you know, how did that conversation go? (laughs) That's, That's a big conversation to have with your husband. Like, hey, the person that you married is shifting gears quite significantly, you know? Yeah, for sure. It is a big conversation and it definitely took a while to have this conversation. I think what happens, as I mentioned before, what happens when you stop drinking is there is just, you know, you suddenly get crystal clear on everything that's happening around you and you can't numb out from it anymore. You've got nowhere to hide anymore. It was almost just too much to to bear. Um, And it wasn't as though, you know, our marriage was in dire straits. We just weren't meant to be together. And it was just, you know, it was almost like, you know, this obsession that I had, like, I need to get out of this now. It's not for me. We are not going to be happy together. And that was basically the conversation. Like this is a turning point and it was the beginning of COVID lockdown. So things were really stressful and it just wasn't working. And, you know, it's, I'm so grateful that our experience of separation has been such a a wonderful one. You know, people talk about divorce and separation being horrific. For me, that wasn't my experience. I totally empathize with people who go through that horrible experience. But for us, it was like, Mm. this is not working. Let's, let's shift gears and go our separate ways. And it was, yeah, a very healthy thing to do that I would never have been able to do if I was still drinking, because I would have just kept crawling under that rock and pretending everything was okay I would have kept hiding from the real issue which was we weren't meant to be married that is it's quite an amazing story that you can fondly look back on a really turbulent time but I feel like it you navigated it well because you were sober you navigated it well because you weren't relying on that multi-tool of coping you weren't drowning down your feelings you the feelings were coming up and that your life choices were smacking you in the face and you were like hey something's got to change here so let's be adults and change it and I think that you should be commended on that and for kids to be involved in that scenario and as you mentioned earlier like happy kids despite you know mum and dad not getting along for whatever reason is a really, I mean, that's a testament right there to the power of sobriety and how it enables you to do really tough things really well. Yeah. And Maz, something else I just wanted to add about that was when we are stuck in our drinking cycle, for me, I never really had clarity on what I truly wanted and what I felt. So yes, I would have a thought of this doesn't feel right. I'm not happy we're not meant to be together, but because I was just filled with so much self-doubt constantly, I never trusted myself. I never believed that what way to go. I never knew the right way to go. And so being sober just gave me this clarity, like, oh my God, this of course is the way I need to go. And that to me is such a gift that sobriety gives you this ability just to trust yourself and to always know that you're going to take the right step because you know yourself. Oh, that's so good too. 
And I just love, thank you for sharing that too. That's like, you know, deeply personal stuff. And I really do value, these aren't easy. You, you have this story because you, it's a lived experience. And, you know, I, I'm, I've been through a divorce. I did it very differently to you. <laughs> I was, I was, it, it, oh, threw, it threw me into my dependence on alcohol. Um, but okay. I, I was a lot younger. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I I really do. I really appreciate just your honesty and vulnerability in sharing such a deep story because I know that will connect with people. The statistics are real. Divorce is a real thing, and it's really amazing. And I'm not encouraging people to get divorced. I'm just saying if it's something that you find yourself facing, it's so wonderful to hear a good report and to know that you can do it sober and you can and you can divorce well i think if you're gonna go through a divorce the goal would definitely be to try and do it well and i know it's very complicated why people break up with each other and there's a myriad of reasons why it wouldn't go well but i just i really love that story i don't love that you went through pain but i love that you've come out the other side like the best version of you i think that's so awesome thank you so much maz it's been so fun thanks for having me Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.